This is Faithful Sayings, broadcast by the Leon Valley Church of Christ. Romans 11 and verse 23, Paul says, And they also, if they do not continue in their unbelief, they will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. To borrow and modify something that Ralph Waldo Emerson once said, You cannot obey the gospel too soon, because you never know how soon it will be too late. That's one of the messages we find within Romans chapter 11. And Paul assures his countrymen that God has not rejected them just because things turned out differently than they expected. He's been dealing with this issue beginning in chapter 9 and chapter 10 that we've studied in recent weeks. And now he's rounding out this discussion. And he is showing his brethren that God never intended to restore the physical kingdom of, of David. That there would never be an expulsion of Rome and Roman soldiers and the the authority of the Roman emperor, no earthly glory and exclusive privileges and and things like this. And he's saying that despite all of that and despite their rejection of and crucifying the Messiah, Paul wants them to know it is not too late. It's not too late. If they will repent and obey, then they too can enjoy the blessings and promises God desires all people to have. And that should be a message that resonates with us, That's and it's applicable to us as well. So first, Paul takes us back to Elijah's discourse as he fled from Jezebel and Ahab. When Elijah thought that he alone was left, God revealed to him that there were several thousand men who still remained faithful, and a number which Paul refers to as, as the remnant. So if you go to Romans 11, and you back up to uh, the, the top of the chapter, Romans 11, and we look at verses 2 and 3, Romans 11, verses 2 and 3, he says, uh, God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew, or do you not know what the scripture says in the passage about Elijah, how he pleads with God against Israel, Lord, they have killed your prophets, they have torn down your altars, and I alone am left, and they are seeking my life. Uh, But what is the divine response to him? Verse 4, I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So Paul is is using that passage to make a point that's relevant here and now uh, about those whom God has reserved. Paul's point is that now, just as then, there is a remnant that will be saved according to God's gracious choice. Just continue reading in verse 5. In the same way, then, there has also come to be at the present time a remnant according to God's gracious choice. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. And so Paul is not referring to specific individuals, but a kind of people who God has chosen And he's going to get into that more later in the text, and he's dealt with it somewhat already. But for now, he wants us to focus on the grace of God. He says, if it's by grace, it's no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. So as Paul has shown from the beginning in this letter, and and as he has argued really throughout this letter and, and scripture, no one can be righteous in God's sight without grace, period. No one can earn the right to have fellowship with God on the basis of their own deeds and and righteous works right without having our sins forgiving without an uh, forgiven without an individual having his or her sins forgiven through the blood of Jesus there is no justification there is no righteousness before God and so that's true for all men and women uh, regardless 
uh, whether they're Jew or Gentile. God shows no partiality, Romans 2 and verse 11. So regardless of how much good one does in, in his or her lifetime, none of those good deeds will ever erase the sin that stains his soul. And I'm afraid many folks would, would much rather have a different system. And so it was was then, you know, there's folks who would prefer a system that would allow them to work off their sin debt uh, because that would give them grounds for boasting. But it simply can't be done, and Paul's already addressed that. Romans 3.27, he says, where then is boasting, it is, it is excluded. So we need, I need, and you need to be forgiven. And only God can and does provide the adequate are more than adequate sacrifice to remove our guilt. And Paul makes that point in Romans 5, 15 and 17. So all of these ideas are coming back. And we're not going to go back to those passages for the sake of time and rehash all of those points again. But Paul is rolling all of that into his conclusion here as he's beginning to sum up the point regarding his brethren's condition before before God and that it's not too light. So th- this was the very thing that became such a hang-up for the vast majority of Paul's people, uh, his brethren according to the flesh, as he calls them, uh, the Jews. And he's citing Isaiah's prophecy concerning their spiritual dereliction, that they are in a kind of stupor, that they have eyes but they're blind and they have ears but they're deaf. And so that's what he goes on to say in Romans 11. He says, what then? Verse 7, what Israel is seeking, it has not obtained, but those who were chosen obtained it, and the rest were hardened. Just as it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes to see and ears to hear not, down to this very day. And so uh, Paul is saying that the responsibility is squarely upon their shoulders. They've missed this uh, because they're in this spiritual kind of stupor. They're spiritually blind and deaf. And then Paul goes on to David, too, who announces, uh, announcing their, their table, he says, uh, which is a, a a metaphor, a picture of prosperity or blessing or privilege. And he's quoting from Psalm, quoting from Psalm 69. But he says, David says in verse 9, Romans 11, let their table become a, sh- a snare and a trap. So let their blessings and privileges become a, tr- a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and retribution to them. And let their eyes be darkened to see not and their backs bent uh, forever. And he says, I say that they did not stumble so as to fall, did they? So he's saying all of this was prophesied, this rejection. Remember Peter says in Acts chapter 3, uh, or Acts chapter 2 rather, that, that Jesus was crucified according to the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God. He knew that 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 he would be the Messiah would be by and large rejected by his people and still is today, and that they would reject him on the basis of uh, their expectations. He didn't offer them. He wasn't the great, glorious, conquering king that they envisioned from a, a from a material perspective, right? He wasn't going again to expel Rome, restore the United Kingdom and their and their former glory, and all of this. Um, and so, because they were so enamored with that and position, you know that that prosperity that became a snare to them. It became a, an obstacle to them because they thought they were entitled to it, and they didn't see that their position with God was by grace, and that everybody's standing with uh, their positive standing with God is is by grace, right? And so they rejected the one who was full of grace and truth. And they failed to see their need for him. And we can see that play out over and over again in the Gospels. 
in John chapter 1 and verse 14 and John chapter 9 verses 40 and 41 and Luke 16 and verse 15. So in, in, in doing that, in, in rejecting him, they sought to justify themselves. Right? But, the, but the only result must be then that they remain in darkness and they are saddled with their burden uh, of sin uh, that's what Paul means or what David meant by their backs will be bent forever. So long as they stayed in that position, so long as they choose to reject the one who can take away that burden, well, they have to remain remain under that burden of guilt. There is no relief. There is, there is no one else who can take that sin away. Luke 24 and verse 47 and Acts 4 and verse 12. There's no other, no other name under heaven by which one can be saved. And so that that being the case, and Paul knowing this and inspired, he goes back to the question, they did not stumble uh, so as to so as to fall, did they? May it never be, but their transgression, by their transgression rather, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make them to make them jealous in verse eleven. So reconciliation is still possible and Paul is saying, God, if God was able to bring salvation into the world despite the rejection of the Messiah by his people and they're crucifying him, how much more will he be glorified in their acceptance of Jesus and their obedience to him? Right. So if, if their transgression and failure made salvation possible for the Gentiles, then certainly it's still available to those whom God originally promised the Messiah. That's what Paul is saying in verses 12 and 13 now if their transgression is riches for the world and their failure is riches for the gentiles how much more will their fulfillment be but i am speaking to you who are gentiles and as much then as as i'm an apostle to the gentiles i magnify my my ministry and so paul is saying it's still possible paul revealed that that he hoped to provoke his countrymen to jealousy in any effort to save them right and paul is assuring them that they can be holy Again, they can be set apart again by virtue of their obedience, not by some physical heritage or being part of an earthly kingdom, um, because God's grace is bestowed upon any and all who submit to Him, regardless of where they are in the world, regardless of uh, ethnicity or their, you know, which earthly kingdom they may be a member of or country. Uh, grace is bestowed on His terms to all people who are willing to submit to Him on those terms. And Paul begins to illustrate God's impartiality with regard to salvation and, and how not only Jews but Gentiles are made acceptable to him on, on the same terms. And he begins this illustration of an, an olive tree. He, he wants to use this picture, this spindle picture of an olive tree, to illustrate uh, how God is impartial. And he's talking about grafting um, grafting in or in cutting off. He's using these horticultural-type terms that maybe are unfamiliar to us, but... Uh, commonly used back then, but it's basically grafting is where you take um, the tissue of a plant or, you know, a twig or a branch and you join it so to continue their growth t together. So maybe you graft, you know, a, a, a branch from one tree and you put it onto another and it's done a certain way and you have to cut a certain way and slip it in and, and bind it up on the branch a certain way of another tree for it, for it to work. But what Paul is doing is he's picturing God as, as one who is doing this with olive branches onto his olive tree. And he is removing other branches at the same time that are undesirable. So let's just look at the text and, and we can see how Paul is using this, this picture, this illustration. He says, if some of the branches were broken off, 
in you being a wild olive. And so remember, he's speaking, he says, I'm speaking to Gentiles, and he's calling them the wild olive, right? And he's saying the ones who are broken off, those are the ones who were uh, taken out of the family of God because they didn't believe. But he'll get to that later. But just so we're clear on the terms here, wild olive is the, the Gentiles. And he's saying you were grafted in among them, and you became partaker with them of the rich fruit of the olive tree. Do not be arrogant toward the branches, but if you are arrogant, remember that it is not you who supports the root, but the root who supports you. And you will say, then branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. And quite right, they were broken off for their unbelief. Verse 20, but you stand by your faith. Do not be conceited, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Behold, then the kindness and the severity of God to those who fell severity, but to you, God's kindness, if you continue in his kindness, otherwise also you will be cut off. And they also, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. For if you were cut off from what is by nature a wild olive tree, and were grafted contrary to the nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these who are natural, uh, natural branches be grafted in into their own olive tree? And so he's saying, God can take take into his family whoever he wants, and he can cut off whoever he wants. And, and Paul is saying the basis for that is faith in, in Christ Jesus. So in, in the course of this analogy, Paul is saying no individual who is grafted in to the family tree of God should become arrogant. Right? Did you catch that? He says it's, it's the root that supports the branch, and the branch stands so long as the root is, is there. In other words, if not for Christ and the wonderful blessings and promises he affords, we would have no standing before God. We wouldn't even have a chance to be grafted in to his his family. But God, uh, at the same time, removes branches or individuals because of their unbelief and disobedience. And then those who remain in the tree, whether they're Jew or Gentile, they remain only because of their faith in Christ. Uh, faith as the Bible defines it, that living, working, complete faith. See Galatians 5, 6 and James two twenty one through 26. Uh, so Paul is saying, don't be conceited, verses 21 and 21. Uh, don't be arrogant, don't be puffed up, but rather keep revering God. Um, the New American Standard says, says uh, fear, uh, because if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. So so in other words, this is a great blessing, and it's a privileged position to be part of, of God's family. But the, the terms for staying in haven't changed, and God is going to remove those once added and add those who are once removed but but the determining factor for that operation is is whether or not an individual has faith in Christ and Paul is reminding us that time and time again and so he's he's saying it's not too late god is both kind and severe verse 22 and anyone anyone can receive the kindness of god provided verse 22 they continue in his kindness Otherwise, he says, you will be cut off. You see, the, the terms are the same. The consequences are the same. And so we have to ask the question, first of all, have I been grafted in? Have I done what's necessary to to be brought into fellowship with God through faith in, in Jesus Christ and submission to his will? And if I have, am I continuing in his kindness, as, as Paul says here in verse 22? So that begs another question. Well, how does one continue in the kindness of God? How does one continue in the kindness of God? I think Jesus answers in John 15 and verse 10, and you'll have to decide for yourself. But I think this is one place we find the answer. John 15 and verse 10, Jesus says, If you keep my commands, 
you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. And so Jesus doesn't use the word kindness there, but he, the kindness of God, but he's using love and the love of his Father or the love of God. And he's saying, so long as we continue in submission and obedience to him, you keep my commands, he says, you will remain in my love, just as I have done so with my Father, and I, and I remain or abide or continue in his love. So there, there is hope. There is hope, and and, uh, and there is the possibility someone will not continue in their unbelief, but but choose to repent, uh, be grafted into the family of God, and then continue, and continue in His kindness, or continue to to keep His commands, strive to do so. But we can't wait until it's too late, right? We can't wait till till it's too late. You you can't obey the gospel too soon. Because you never know how soon it will be too late. We're all given different amount, amount of time, amounts of time on this on this earth. Um, you may live longer than me. You, you may not, but ultimately, it doesn't matter. We're all given enough time. We're all given enough time by the grace of God. And be assured that God has shut up all in disobedience, so that He may show mercy to all. That's one of the points Paul makes here in the context in verse 31. In other words, he's he's saying again, all are guilty. All are guilty, Jew and Gentile. That's the case he laid out in chapters 2 and 3. And all are accountable and need forgiveness to be justified. And there will come a time when all will stand before the judgment seat of Christ to be repaid for the deeds done in the body, 2 Corinthians 5.10. So if that day comes... When that day comes, and I haven't obeyed the gospel, I I will be lost forever. And I believe the Bible is saying the same to you. When that day comes, and you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and you haven't obeyed the gospel, and you didn't strive to continue in the kindness of God, you will be lost forever. No second chances, no do-overs, just a pronouncement of sentence. So don't wait until it's too late. Obey the gospel and submit to Jesus and receive the forgiveness and salvation he alone can provide. I was just reading earlier today in Mark chapter 16 and verse 16 where Jesus says, He who believes and is baptized will be saved. And you know what? That's the same message that Peter preached several days later on the day of Pentecost when a lot of people wanted to know in Acts chapter 2 and verse 37, what do we do? What do we do knowing that we're guilty, knowing that we've crucified the Son of God? How do we respond to this message? How can we ever have hope again? You know, Peter echoes Jesus and he says, Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins, each and every one of you, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that's how you can find salvation. That's how anyone can find salvation. Submission to the will of God as it's revealed in in his word. And then continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, 2 Peter 3.18. You're just getting started. But there's so much to look forward to. There's everything to look forward to. So don't wait until it's too late. I'm Jason Garcia, and this has been Faithful Sayings.